Thank you. We are blessed to have you. Thank you, Pastor and, Guy. It's uh, a blessing look to be to here. Your bringing the word to us. Thanks. Blessings on you. Much appreciated. It is always good. I, I want to bring you greetings, too, from all the churches of the conference when Pastor Guy mentions some of the things that have been a blessing. Um, one of the things I find to be the biggest blessing is the fact that we can do some things together that individual churches would struggle to get done on their own. So, for example, when uh, this church was planted by Arvada, I believe there were about 11 churches on the front range. And because of the generosity and the prayers and the support of churches like you, we now have 28 churches along the front range. That would not happen without all of you, church. That's uh, making it happen. So thank you so much for all your support and hard work and prayers. And Pastor Guy's been a part of all that. So <laughs> very good. Well, I'm excited because I understand your tradition is to stand and read Scripture together. And that's a beautiful tradition. So I invite you to stand at this time. And let's read Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory." And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Oh, gracious God, you are surely among us this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would take my word and that you would use it as a vehicle to convey your message into the hearts and the minds of your people. We love you. We long to hear from you this morning. So we ask all of this and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So obviously my text this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1, which is this remarkable letter that takes considerable care to really paint a picture of who it is that we are as followers of Jesus Christ and exactly what that means for us. And I am excited 
to spend time in this passage, this place where Paul kind of starts out his letter right out of the chute with this explosive prayer of thanksgiving. Now, when we read it, it may not sound quite the way that I might read it, but um, that's because we read it in group, right? It is literally an explosive prayer of thanksgiving. Now, here's an interesting piece of trivia. Verses 3 to 14 that we just read in the original language, the Greek language, is actually one very long run-on sentence. Now, it's not so obvious in our English versions because we've inserted paragraph breaks and commas and periods in order to make it easier to read, but in its original form, there are over 200 plus consecutive words without any comma, period, semicolon, question mark, exclamation point, 200 plus consecutive words makes for one very long run-on sentence. Now, contrary to what I just said, I actually think this is more than just a piece of trivia. Here's what I think. As Paul starts out this letter and explains what it is that God has done for us in Jesus and how blessed we are, covering basically all of salvation history since before the foundations of the earth until that time when all things in heaven and on earth are brought into unity under Christ, as he is declaring this, he is simply so excited, he simply can't come up for air long enough to put in punctuation. There is a ton to learn here from this passage, but I would suggest to you that we're barely going to scrape the surface this morning. I also think there is something to be noticed in the tone in which Paul delivers this section here. So keep in mind that Paul, as he's writing this letter, he's been a Christian for about 30 years at this point. It was some 30 years earlier that he met Jesus on the Damascus Road and had that powerful conversion experience. And so for the last 30 years, he's been teaching the Bible, he's planted churches, he's been in prison, he's navigated arguments in the church, he's started a few arguments in the church, he's settled matters of racial inequalities, he has employed and given honor to the place of women in ministry in the church, and I don't think he argued over things like the color of the carpet or governance structures or perhaps even what instruments are played, but but I do know he had been preaching and teaching and leading a gospel movement for some 30 years when he wrote this. So this was not new news to him. In fact, this was very old news, but this was very, very good news to him. So as Paul starts his letter with this 200 plus word broad brushstroke summary of all that God has done for us in Jesus, he is simply so ecstatic that he can't slow down to catch his breath. So let me give you just a little bit of a loose paraphrase of this opening passage we just read. If I can take the liberty, we'll just call this the Tammy paraphrase, if I may. Paul is saying here, listen, I don't have time for commas or periods or semicolons because I am still so overwhelmed with the never-ending reckless love of a God who would send his only son to die for me so that he would be, so to raise him from the dead so that in him I would have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That God has chosen me since before the foundation of the earth, before he flung the stars into the universe, I graced his holy imagination and he said, you are mine. He chose me. He predestined me to be adopted as his child.
child and has included me in the family of God where I have an inheritance that exceeds anything I could hope for, imagine, or experience this side of heaven. And I know I have it coming because it's been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit who is the down payment of all that is to come for all of God's adopted children. To God be the glory. Is that good news, church? Amen. Amen. And I think that's the way Paul delivered it. (laughs) And I want to ask a question this morning. Are we excited about Jesus? Let me ask that again, church. Are we excited about Jesus? Thank you. Paul was a follower of Jesus for some 30 years. He still couldn't catch his breath because he was in awe of the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if some of us this morning, and as I say that, I'm pointing to me as well, who have been in the church for decades or maybe a few years, whatever it is, some of us this morning just need to be reminded of the gravity or need to be reminded of the magnitude of who it is that Jesus is and what he's done for us. Yeah. So what I want to do in the remaining moments this morning is to dig out some of what the Apostle Paul was so awestruck with here in these first few verses. And I got to be clear because what is here is really a motherload of spiritual blessings. We've only got time to dive for a few nuggets this morning. So I'm going to start right out of the chute here with nugget number one. And that is this. He chose you. Verse four says he chose you before the creation of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I remember this sort of dysfunctional playground activity. And it would go something like this. You'd go out to the playground and and you were going to choose sides for whatever event it was. And so there was person A and person B appointed to choose people, kids all lined up. And they'd go down the row one by one, starting with the best players all the way down to the most athletically challenged. At the end, it always embarrassing because the same people often ended up at the end of the line, right? The last to be picked. And if you were one of those people, you dreaded that. Oh, you dreaded that. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Are you all a bunch of athletes in here? Okay. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. You need to know that the captain of all creation, before he created the world, he knew your name and he called you out and he said, I pick you, you're mine, I want you on my team. And this is the reality. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, it's that long before you chose to follow Jesus, Jesus chose you. Long before you ever decided to put your faith in Jesus and to follow him, he decided to pick you. Now, being chosen before the creation of the world, it it has everything to do with the value that he places on us. And by that, I mean every human being. And it has nothing to do with God arbitrarily choosing some and overlooking others, which is good news, by the way, because I always know when I'm talking to a group of people that there's likely someone in this room who at some point or another has felt overlooked. Maybe you weren't chosen for that sports team. Maybe you've been overlooked for promotion 
emotions time after time at work. Maybe you're not in the in crowd, in the neighborhood, in school, in your workplace. Maybe you've not the one that's invited to all the parties. Maybe you've been overlooked, isolated, alone, discounted, disregarded, or unchosen. But I want you to hear the voice of Jesus coming through here in chapter one, where it says, listen, my child. I chose you. I picked you. You are valuable, and I want you on my team. Before the foundations of the world, I chose you to be mine. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I chose you. Nugget number two. You have been adopted by God to be in his family. Now, verse five tells us that long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family. He predestined us for adoption. So let me tell you a little personal story about a nurse named Shayla. It was a Friday night and Shayla was at work on the maternity ward. She had not worked on that ward for many, many months, but earlier in the day she had gotten a call from the hospital because a nurse had called in sick and she agreed to go in and take the shift for this nurse. Earlier in the day, a pregnant woman had gone into labor and it was Shayla's job that night to care for her. But while she was caring for her, she learned a couple of things. One, she learned that this woman was not supposed to give birth for at least two more weeks. And two, she learned that this woman was going to be giving up her baby for adoption. That evening, the woman delivered a healthy baby girl, and you can probably imagine the speculation that was going on across the maternity ward as they wondered what would happen to this baby. And and when Shayla got off duty that night, she could not stop thinking about this baby. She went home, and when she got home, she and her husband stayed up late into the night talking about really impossible things, but they were so excited about this idea that they just couldn't get any sleep. And so the next morning, even though it was a Saturday morning, Shayla felt this sort of urging to call the doctor's office, and she thought no one would probably even be in, but a receptionist did answer the phone, and and Shayla told her of her interest in this baby, as, as odd and as overwhelming and strange as that might have been a phone call to be, she did it anyway. And she, what she heard from the receptionist is, let me get a hold of the, the doctor. So within an hour, the doctor who attended to the delivery called her back and he uh, said to her, you know, the doctor that was supposed to deliver the baby is out of town and the baby wasn't supposed to come for two weeks. We have no idea who's supposed to get this baby. So he said this to Shayla, since you got your foot in the door first, if you want to start the legal paperwork, you can bring this baby home. So after a frantic weekend of shopping for baby things because they didn't have anything. They had to purchase diapers and clothing and furniture and bottles and pacify. You can imagine what that must have been like. On a Monday morning, they drove down to the hospital and this baby was placed in Shayla's arms and Shayla wept with joy. You can imagine how that must have felt. And she's telling me this. If you haven't figured it out, I'm that baby girl. I was that child. And I consider my adoption story nothing short of a miraculous convergence of God-orchestrated events. 
And I'm grateful to God for my loving parents who gave me a home and who opened their hearts to me, who gave me a family. And I've always understood this this gracious gift is simply incredible. And and part of my understanding as my identity as the much-loved daughter of Winston and Shayla Swanson, my earthly parents, but even more so as the lavishly and extraordinarily loved child of God. But this is our story. Our stories are the miraculous convergence of extraordinary God-orchestrated events that have led to our adoption as children of God. Amen, church? Yes, 1 John 3, 1, one of my favorite passages. See what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. We just sang about it this morning. Now, I remember saying to my brothers growing up, because both of them were born naturally of my parents who were um, told early on they weren't, uh, it wasn't safe to have other children. So they were six and seven years older than me. And I uh, remember saying to them, "Uh, yeah, mom and dad were stuck with you. They had to take you, but they chose me. (laughs) The good news is, (laughs) the good news of the gospel is not just, and, and I think of my own adoption, by the way, I have no idea what tragic life God may have saved me out of, but I do know what I was welcomed into and blessed with. And I do think that's a metaphor for the good news. Jesus does save us from our sins. He saves us from our folly. He saves us from some mundane existence. But even more than that, the good news, the great news in my mind is that he invites us into his family and he gives us an inheritance and in every way treats us as his dearly loved children, and that is phenomenal news. We could spend a lifetime unpacking what it means that we are actually the adopted children of God our Father. We'd only be scratching the surface. But let me give you a couple of thoughts. Here's, Here's one thing. If you are a son or a daughter of God, if you call him your father, this means you have unrestricted, unhindered, unfettered access to God as your father. And here's by way of illustration what I mean. When my children were young and they called out in the middle of the night, I came running. When my children got a little older, they're in grade school and they really needed me, man, I'd drop everything. When my children were teenagers and they wanted to talk, (laughs) you better believe I was going to listen. And when my grown children call me even today and uh, they're going to just call to chat, I'm pretty much going to take their call no matter when it comes. Don't even get me going on my grandchildren. And why? Because they're my kids and I love them and they have unrestricted, unhindered access and I delight in hearing from them. Oh, how I love hearing from them. Verse 5 tells us you have been adopted. That means you have unhindered, unrestricted access to God, your Father, who delights in you, who loves you and who loves hearing from you. Now, some of you may have had a rocky relationship with your dad growing up, 
And you may not have felt a whole lot of love. And uh, some of you have had a really great dad and they've really modeled the love of Christ for you. I always know there's a variety of experiences when I talk about this. But I want you to know that regardless of your earthly father, what I want you to hear this morning is a voice of a God who delights in you, who says, you can call me dad. You can call me anytime. I will be your father. I have chosen you and I've adopted you into my family. Here's another thing. If you're an adopted son or daughter of God, not only do you get a relationship with God, but you get a relationship with a family. You get included in a family, right? So when I was adopted, I won't forget the stories that my parents told me, how excited the whole family was about me coming home. And I remember how uh, they told me, because I didn't remember, I was too young. My brothers who went to school a block down the street that Monday morning when they brought me home from the hospital, oh man, they ran home. They were so excited to meet me. And and they came and they just stood and kind of stared at me, didn't know what to do. And finally, my older brother reached out and kind of ran his hand up and down my arm and checking out to see if I was real or not. And you see, I didn't just get a relationship with my parents. I got a family out of the deal, a beautiful family. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this about the Christian family. He said, we belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we've been chosen from eternity, accepted in time and united for eternity. Now, this should change everything. When I think of a family, the church family, it's so much bigger than my little family of origin, which I'm so grateful for and so blessed with. It's even bigger than the Applewood family that we're talking about, right? It's even larger than the covenant family. It is people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Anyone who calls God Father and who uh, knows Jesus, his son, is part of that family. And it means we need to care about the things that other family members are going through. When people are experiencing joy, we rejoice with them, right? When people are experiencing sorrow, we are sad with them. We care for them in tangible ways. When we, we need to think about this larger family concept as we think about the Christian family around the world, and we need to care, right? When children are separated at the border from their families and they're terrified, we need to care, church. When children are shot in the streets or in the movie theater or in the schools or even in their grandma's backyard, we need to care. And when some of our brothers and sisters laugh, opportunities that the rest of us take for granted. We need to care about that. And when people and places that God has created and he values and he loves are lumped together and referred to in profane language, we need to care about that. And when our brothers and sisters of color tell us about the experiences that they're having that have negatively impacted their lives, we need to care about that. When we think of Christians around the globe who are being persecuted, mistreated, run out of their countries and martyred we need to care because the family of God transcends the color of our skin, the country of our origin, and the language that we speak. 
God said it. That's what his scriptures say. That makes it the truth. And Ephesians tells us that one day, according to God's good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, when the times reach their fulfillment, he's going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ to the praise of his glory. And Revelation 7 paints that exact picture where we see all of God's family gathered around the throne of God, people from every language, tongue, nation, uh, (laughs) you get it? (laughs) All gathered around the throne of God, praising him in the heavenly realms. That is going to be a family reunion that we will never forget. Amen. No wonder Paul was so exuberant here. We get a family with all the blessings and all the responsibilities that come with that. You are a family here, dear brothers of Applewood Community Covenant Church, and you belong to the greater ECC family, but our family extends to people all around the globe. And it's been God's plan all along to pull together this family, both those in heaven and those on earth, to bring unity under Christ. And we get to align our hearts with God's heart. We get to align our plans with God's plan and we get to participate with him to accomplish this in the here and now because we already belong to each other. Because anyone who calls God father and who knows Jesus is part of this same family. Right. Being adopted means you are a part of God's diverse family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is a blessing. And we need to care. Third nugget. We were blessed with every spiritual blessing chosen before the creation of the world. Adopted into God's family. Redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Forgiven of our sins. Lavished in the richness of God's grace. Guaranteed an inheritance filled with the spirit of God. For the praise of his glory. For the praise of his glory. Now, we read that together a few moments ago, and that little phrase, the praise of his glory, came up about three times in that one section. I always think that means we got to sit up and pay attention to what's being said. You see, wherever we see references in Scripture to God's glory, it's all about God being revealed. And when we see God revealed, we see his glory, we see his presence, and we see his power, and, and we can't help but worship him. Glory is all about revelation. God revealing his character as a loving God, a saving God, a God who chooses us, who values us, who delights in us, who adopts us into his family. But in this outburst of praise to God's goodness, Paul kind of turns this phrase on its edge and he says this, he says, we who are in Christ are for the praise of his glory. We who are in Christ are for the praise of his glory. And what he is saying there is we have the opportunity, the privilege, and the responsibility to reveal Christ to those around us. Now, verse 4 says, He chose us before the creation of the world to live holy and blameless lives before God. Which makes sense because we're for the praise of his glory. Whatever else the church is, we must be a community of changed people. We have to look different than the rest of the world around us. Our primary residence is in the kingdom of God and we need to take our identity cues from there, not from the toxic 
divisive, me-first, dehumanizing and devaluing rhetoric of the world in which we live. We are called, rather, to be in alignment with God's plan and his purpose to bring glory to him so that all things that are in heaven and on earth are brought together under Christ. We're a part of that plan so that we who are in Christ, we may be for the praise of his glory. We may be for the praise of his glory. That's a point. (laughs) That's a fact. We are chosen by God for the praise of his glory. We are adopted by God for the praise of his glory. We are put into a diverse family for the praise of his glory so that we will participate in God's plan to make Christ known. And that's how the rest of the world is going to see it. The beauty of our life being incorporated into the life of Christ to people chosen, redeemed, loved, forgiven, reconciled, is that God would be praised. (laughs) To God be the glory. So when we ponder that question, I asked at the outset, are we excited about Jesus, church? Let me ask it again. Are we excited about Jesus? Are we excited about Jesus? I know you can holler here. I've already heard it. It is my prayer, dear Applewood family, that you would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So much so that it pours into you and spills out on those around you. And to God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever into eternity. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Oh God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this truth of our identity, being chosen by you, being adopted into your family. Lord, that we get to participate with you to bring glory to your name. What a privilege, what a responsibility. And Lord, I thank you for this expression of your good news right here in Applewood, at Applewood. I thank you for the impact they have across this community already and even down into places like Ecuador. And, and Lord, I thank you that you have been using them and that they continue to lean into you, to be used by you, to reach people who don't yet know you and know your son, Jesus. So I pray, Lord, that as they continue to enjoy their life together as a family, that they will be aware of the nature of their family that expands around the globe. And Lord, I pray that you will use them in mighty ways to the praise of your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.